Welcome to Lockdown Marlins, guys. It is Tuesday, the 21st of February. Happy Pancake Day for everyone that celebrates that. There's going to be a lot of tossing going on here in the Pratt household today. Guys, it is rule change season. We're going to dig into all of the rule changes that are happening. We're starting to see some of it in uh, some of the the spring and uh, workout videos uh, as the players start to familiarize themselves with the rules. So myself, the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett in the house to get into not only what rule changes are happening this year, but equally what impact they will have on the game, both from an offensive and a defensive and pitching standpoint, uh, all on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This, of course, is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. If you are listening to the pod, hit subscribe. It is your team every day. Yes, there is a YouTube channel. Head over to there, hit subscribe. Also, we are trending towards 1,000 users. Users? Subscribers. We're trending towards 1,000 subscribers. Go and hit subscribe. Enjoy the content there. You will see... The UK goat Sean Barrett is in the house looking absolute flames. That is his local baseball team's uh, cap as well. Sean, how are we doing, brother? I'm not too bad, Pete. We're uh, past the Super Bowl. We've got spring training games this week. This... We are almost, almost there through the offseason. Baseball's almost back. Can't get any oh, better. Beautiful. I did. I, I even had to go and look at the schedule and, and saw, highlighted, there was a game coming up against the Mets this week. Just wild. It feels though, uh, Sean, we should probably do like a full trade extravaganza episode just for old time's sake, just like last year and go through that. But we're not going to do that. We're going to go even more exciting than trades. We're going to talk about rules. <laughs> and you know, let's be honest, there's there's a ton of rules coming into in, in into the game this year. There's maybe some more brewing for future years. We'll wait to see what happens. But uh, what I wanted to do is to actually spend some time digging into what are the changes and what we think the impact could and should be, whether they're good for the game, whether we're nervous about them, et cetera, et cetera. Who will be nervous about them? Some people will be. Um, so if you love your rules, you will love this episode. Let's start with a quick rundown of what the rule changes are, and then we'll kind of dig into it, Sean. Um, firstly, I think the most talked about that I've heard anyway is the limiting or banning of the shift. I think that's probably the most talked about uh, rule change, uh, effectively taking away that situation of, you know, the third third baseman swinging around and basically playing shallow right. Um, so two guys either side of, of the shortstop, or sorry, the second base um, bag, um, which I think is interesting. Three-man outfield still. You can have your outfielders where you want. That's the other thing we'll talk about as well as we go. But the shift, we have a pitch clock as well. 15-second pitch clock with no runners on. 20 seconds if there's a runner on. Bigger bases. I put this out as well the other day. Huge bases now. They are looking huge. Three inches bigger. Boy, oh boy. Three inches makes all the difference. Pickoff attempts are now limited as well uh, to two. Um, uh, from from a, a pitching perspective, the runner on second also remains uh, for extra innings and will remain for the regular season. That seems to now just be inked into baseball 
the rule book now. That's just the way it's going to be. Postseason unaffected. Um, there's also limiting as well around what the pitchers can do in terms of their their pre-pitch mechanics, moving away from the jiggery pokery and the dancing around and all that kind of rocking the baby. That is no longer allowed. That's a balk. Um, so I fear for Richard Blyer this year. It's going to be a tough year for Blyer. Tons happening, Sean. Like a lot of rules going on here. Overall, what's MLB trying to accomplish here with these rules? No, to me, they're trying to do two things. They're trying to make the game more exciting and they're trying to make it shorter. And to me, I'm a traditionalist. I don't like change. Um, and and baseball's built on the back of its traditions. So this, yeah. to a certain degree, had me a little bit concerned. Now, I've seen some conversations about the idea that they're just trying to bring back old school baseball and, and trying to steer the, the game away from... The, the sabermetrical view of it. The, the old school guys, they don't like it too much, do they? Mm-hmm. And it was funny because some guys saw with Theo Epstein, who famously was super successful with um, the Cubs and Boston before that, killing the two uh, curses. He was brought in as an advisor, and I heard him talking about it, and he was saying that he was kind of the person that brought this to the game, and he felt some responsibility to go because his. His job, his role, was to make a winning baseball team, not an exciting yeah. baseball team. Yeah. Now, as an advisor to baseball, his job is to make baseball exciting. Mm-hmm. And his idea for that was to put it back, to fix what he had broken. <laughs> um, so, for me, the excitement of baseball um, is, is always there. I like the numbers. I like a lot of things about baseball. But I understand that other people need that. That, that immediate action, you know, the, mm. the, the base stealing uh, and the hits, of course. Um, but I like a pitcher's jewel as much as the next guy. So yeah. for me, I've always enjoyed baseball. They're trying to appeal, I guess, making it a bit shorter to, to, to younger people. Baseball does need to grow in those markets. But for me, one of my main concerns was don't ruin baseball for the people that watch baseball to try and entice the people that don't watch baseball. That yeah. just weird for me. Um, but on the whole, we'll get we'll get into the rules individually. Um, but some of them I like and some of them I don't like, um, which is interesting for me because I thought I'd hate them all. <laughs> which of them Which of them do you think, like, high level is going to impact the game the most? Like, in terms of um, maybe not the viewing experience, maybe in terms of like results runs production all that kind of stuff like what do you think is actually going to impact the game the most of those i think the the obvious one and the, and the one that people are talking about the most is is the shift like the shift has changed baseball significantly in a very short period of time over the last 5 years we've seen hits in baseball come massively down especially for left-handed hitters yeah um and so that's that's the obvious one. But for, for me, the, the one that's more interesting to me is the bigger bases. For two reasons. You've got now, you've got a shorter distance from home to first base. Yeah. Those bang-bang plays that are out now suddenly are becoming more and more than they're becoming bang-bang safe. Yeah. Uh, I think how many of them there are a game? Like, how many... How many times that happens, and how many TV reviews are there? Where it's so close, and you think there's at least one of them a game. It, at least, it, 
Yeah, in the early times when I started getting into baseball, that was one of the things that I was like, everyone loves home runs and things like that. I loved that. <laughs> I loved that you had this 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 umpire making such a vital call of safe yeah. or out yeah. and how accurate they were. Um, it, it, it always amazed me. New to the game, yeah. I was stunned at how how accurate those those first base it, umpires are. When you slow it down, it you, it, it becomes obvious. But mm-hmm. live to the naked eye, it's incredibly hard. And officiating is is massive right now, isn't it? In the sense of in the public eye and and what people are talking about. And that was always something that I thought baseball did well. I always thought the umpires did a really good job. Yeah. There are some bad seeds out there every now and then calling balls and strikes, but yeah. On the whole, they do a really good job. And to me, this is something that's going to make a big difference. Additionally, the, the distance between first and second is now shorter. Yeah. Those those stolen bases are, are, are going up. They're going up, aren't they? As we saw in the minor leagues, one of the things that, that, that popped was the minor league stolen base count was way up. Way up. And, you know... Teams will look at things and, you know, will maybe take a little bit of time to feel it out. Like, is it worth the risk and da-da-da and all these kind of things that go into it. But, you know, fundamentally in minor league baseball last year, they were way up the stolen bases. So I think we should expect that. Um, and it's really interesting because from the Marlins specifically, they they have last year's, you know, base stealing champ. Uh, and the question will be is how much opportunity he will get this year based on playing time, etc. But... You know, for the Marlins, the type of team that you know needs to try and create offense rather than hit offense at times, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting rule change, I think, for them that they can try to benefit from. Particularly if they, you know, you've got Jazz and Arias and you know Birdie, you know, these kind of guys, speedy guys in the lineup. Like it, to your point, it's going to be a little bit more old school, perhaps, rather than the big boys have got to go. It's going to be the fast boys have got to run. Um, and that's going to be creating scoring opportunities, which is going to be fun to watch. Um, we all like stolen bases. Like, it's fun to see that happen. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you, mate. Um, I do think the the bases piece has been underrated, I would say, in terms of the impact thus far. Like, a lot of people talking about the shift, but it wasn't until you got your eyeballs on the bases themselves, I think, as soon as we saw that, like, last week when, when obviously, the bases were down for, for spring um, camps opening, and you had the comparison, you were like, oh, they're massive. <laughs> they're massive compared to the ones prior to it. So, yeah, great shout on that, Sean. I want to dig into a few of them in, in a bit more detail. But before we do that, first out of the day, guys, and it is our good friends over at Build Bar. Um, so if you're looking for that delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try those builds. And what makes them so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. 100% real chocolate. They come in all the unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almonds. I don't know how they do it, but these bars, they taste like a candy bar whilst maintaining amazing macros. What's even better, they are 100% healthy as well. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein. Perfect for those biceps. Um, Now, you don't have to wait around to get a box for years. Been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com. You can now get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club too. That's right. Head to Walmart today. Get yourself over to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of built's. Four bar box includes cookies and cream or double chocolate or coconut puffs. How about those puffs? And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13 bar box. All the hit flavors brownie batter, churro. Thank me later and enjoy those built's. 
All right, away from built bars and back to rules. Uh, Sean, let's talk about the shift specifically because I do think, like like you said, this has been the most talked about change for obvious reasons. It, it, feel, it feels like it's gone too far. In terms of who benefits, likely it's, well, you mentioned the most, the, the biggest beneficiary are likely the lefty pull guys, right? Um, but is, is effectively the majority of the hitters going to benefit here now where they're, you know, I know not everyone shifted as hugely as others, but pretty much everyone was getting shifted on in some form, um, depending on, you know, where they hit in the hit in, in the order, what was happening in the game situation, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, offensively, this is just going to create more opportunities for more hits for these guys, right? That's the aim of this rule. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's, it's more balls in play and, and more action. I mean, balls in play. That's that, the one. That's the whole, that's the whole idea of this. Um, it is a case of lefties are going to get the most benefit because the lefties pull, pull to the side that they were getting shifted to. The argument was, why don't you just slap a single up, up the other side? Yeah. But these guys, you know, singles don't earn you any money. These guys want no. pulling for power. Um, so now they've got that open hole on on that side. I think you could see some massive changes. Jazz is gonna is gonna eat on this, I think. And yeah. but no, on the whole, it is there are gonna be more hits. It's going to be and this is probably something that we haven't seen for a while. The idea that an elite defensive infielder is now going to show his worth. Because yeah. rather than having three guys just waiting and almost having a telegraphed, you're going to hit it right here, and it always went like unless you were the Marlins, because they always played poorly against the shift. But everyone else seemed to just put the player exactly where the ball was going to go. Now you yeah. don't have that. So these elite shortstops, they're going to have to start showing their worth. The, the third base guys, they're going to have more room to have to defend. Therefore... Up the, up the line is going to be harder for them to make those plays. There's going to be a lot more emphasis on defensive prowess. And unfortunately for the Marlins, they've kind of taken a step backwards in that direction. <laughs> they have. I think that's the really the most interesting wrinkle about this whole thing is the fact that the Marlins had built what was an above average infield. Um, and as soon as the rule changes are taking place, they've, they've stepped that backwards. Um and, and, you know, time will tell just on that topic, specifically just kind of going into the Marlins because, well, it is the Lock the Marlins pod. Um, it, that's the assumption at this point, but I guess the proof will be in the pudding with these guys once they get in. One thing that, that did occur, and I think it might have been on the Fish Stripes pod that I listened to the other day that I thought was a really great point, was the fact that both Gene Segura and Luis Arias, both in the WBC, which is really going to hamper them and just kind of getting their, not just the two of them, but the infield together, just working together effectively, you know, two new guys into the infield that aren't going to spend a bunch of time playing together through spring, getting the reps together. So come opening day, gut feel is at least one of those two teams goes pretty far. Like they're going to be a little bit unfamiliar with each other and how their, you know, position is going to be unfamiliar anyway, because there's no shifts and whatever, but it's going to be, I think that is a really interesting wrinkle. Like, it's a brand new infield with new rules and it's going to be relatively unpracticed um, for the Marlins generally. And so there's going to be some teething problems early on, mate, I think. And as fans, I think it's important for us to probably just understand that and accept it early rather than kind of jumping on it too hard. But I think we've got to expect a little bit of 
little bit of a teething issue with with the infields and as they kind of settle in, particularly with Gene Segura at third, who you know, played what 20, 25 games at third in his whole career. So, you know, we'll see on that one. Um, do you see the th- the thought that I had? This is the interesting bit: is do you see now teams trying to counter it? And what I mean by that is, think of those lefty pull dudes. Do you just take left field out and put them where the shifted dude used to be? Do they create a shift, but in a different way and move left field out and put them into the shallow right instead to kind of create that same situation? There will be far smarter baseballing brains than mine working on this 24-7. Yeah. Because there's always that next wrinkle. I think we spoke a couple of weeks back about the idea that with sabermetrics now, the harder thing to do now is to distance yourself from the group because everybody's doing it to yeah. a degree. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, with this new rules change, you've got everyone starting from zero, and the smarter teams are going to find ways to to ink out that little bit more value. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting. I don't think we'll see too much in spring. It's no. tough to say. But I think as, as we get more and more experience, as the teams get more and more experience with this new playing format, we'll definitely see some interesting sort of wrinkles from these teams. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It wouldn't shock me. I can certainly see that happening where, you know, for those like extreme dudes in particular, like left field's irrelevant anyway, probably. And so you take the risk and you plonk them in the shallow right instead and you've got your shift. Hey-ho. Talk to me about the pitch clock, mate, because this is, again, another really interesting one. I like the idea of it for pace of play and whatever, particularly, you know, the regular season. I don't know if this carries through to the postseason, to be honest. So I don't know that. Do you know that if they if this is a... Uh, a postseason as well, or just regular season? My understanding is these are all official rules. rules for both, yeah. Doesn't matter. So, okay. I can understand why they're doing this, trying to kind of speed things up. Who's going to be most impacted on this? Is this going to be the starters or the relievers, do you think, that will be most impacted? I guess it could be you know, quite specific guys, but what I mean by that is I feel like the starters, they get used to working in a rhythm and it's all about the rhythm. I feel like with relief pitching, they they operate at their own pace, and they've got all these idiosyncrasies, and they've got all these movements and all this stuff, particularly the closers. That's the thing where I was going at. was like, these closer guys, is this going to really impact the closers? They're going to be really thrown off and not have the ability to kind of work at their pace that they like to in what is a really high-leverage spot. I'm really intrigued about that, but... What, where's your head at with this one in terms of the impact to the, the guys and who it impacts most? What you're saying is relievers are weirdos. <laughs> I'm just saying they, 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 they seem are, to have these roots. They are weirdos. Pete, yeah. You're right, they are. They're, proper, they're goalkeepers. They are the they're baseball goalkeepers. They're not right they in there. Uh, to me, <laughs> it is the relievers because for one reason and one reason only, that 15-second period of time that you've got, it's, mm. you're, you're pitching again and again. And again, and again, it's so, it's so back-to-back pitching. Yeah, starters. Don't get me wrong. Starters are elite athletes, um, but relievers. What they're doing is they are pushing the boundaries on velocity of how fast you can throw a ball. We're seeing so Great many point. relievers now throwing 101 plus. Yeah, to to have to do that re- repeatedly in a mm. short period of time, is something that we will have never seen. We've seen yeah. starting pitchers throw high 90s and some of them touch 100, but they're doing it 
at their own pace. And they're, they're working their way up to that. Relievers are, are literally pushing their body to the limit. And they need, you know, even, I know it's not that much of a difference in, in distance from pitching, but for me, I think we're going to see potentially more injuries mm-hmm. with relievers. Now, you asked me, would it be affect the starters or the relievers the most? I actually think it will affect the hitters the most. Oh. Because the, the pitchers always used to whinge. We don't need a pitch clock. We need a batter's clock. Oh, okay. Because the batter's there, they're hot dog in it, they're messing with gloves. gloves, they're adjusting their elbow pads, they're they're leaving the batting's box, you know. And then when they finally deem themselves ready to hit, now you can pitch at me. I think the hitters are really going to have to adjust their approach, and it will take some time, I think, for them to adjust to the idea that you... You swing and miss at a pitch, and you haven't got 30, 45 seconds to, to settle yourself and, and get yourself ready. It's not that that next pitch is coming. Yeah. Get back in the batter's box, and I don't care about you thinking about your last pitch. Come up and hit again. Do you know what? The other thing, to, I mean, it's a really great point, and it, it, maybe the one thing to do is to go back and just watch a random game from last year and just work out how basically like we all just get so used to it we don't even notice like how much time is taken with guys in the batter's box going away adjusting everything da, 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 da. and then then finally they're in the box then the sign comes then the pitcher's sh- shaking off you know you don't even realize they're gonna i want i do wonder how much time they're gonna chop out of it how important is the catcher gonna be in this as well where that kind of connection with catcher and pitcher trying to get on the same wavelength as well right like trying to Get the signs down, know what they're going to want to throw so you haven't got all this kind of no, 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 no. And next thing is you run out of time and, you know, like in the NFL, like play clock come, coming in, no, 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 okay, time out. And you, you burn a timeout because you can't quite get the play down. So I'm intrigued to see how the catcher-pitcher relationship, you know, how important that is and how many how many mess-ups there are too where, you know, uh, they, they kind of run out of time. I think it's another interesting wrinkle, right? Absolutely. You could have a, a pitcher coming up for a spot start for, for whatever reason, coming mm. up from double A, triple A, pitching to the backup catcher. Yeah. They may never have thrown together. No. All of a sudden, you've got this young kid who's up at the show for the first ever time. And it, yeah, we could see some some real awkward moments. <laughs> we really could. Um, this won't be an awkward moment for anyone. It's time to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, guys. Yes, sir. Um, and <laughs> not sure I made that segue, but the midway point of the NBA season is here. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Uh, then you can bet on everything from money line to point scorers and threes drained. I love that one. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official. Sports betting partner of the NBA. Absolutely demolished that one. That was really good. <laughs> right. Run out of time, Sean. Um, but I think, in summary, let's just kind of wrap it up, I suppose. Well, I did want to talk about the the pitching idiosyncrasy piece as well that we talked about. Because 
we weren't certain if this was going to impact Johnny Cueto. Obviously, again, this is a Marlins podcast. We saw that there's going to be a limit or a stopping, really, what probably should have always been stopped on what some of these pitchers were doing kind of before they got into their motion, where there was legs going everywhere, rocking babies, doing everything, and they were just allowed to do that. That seemingly is out. Cueto is a different situation, as we talked about pregame uh, for this episode, where it looks like it's going to be okay for Cueto. But just try and summarize maybe the differences there, why it's okay for Cueto, why it's not maybe for some of the other guys that are rocking babies or hope to still rock babies. So, yeah, I mean, for me, Cueto is fine. It is a case of his his movement is a, a movement that's trying to upset the timing of the hitter. Uh, so he's his his legs coming up, and then he's sort of he's not quite pitching, and he comes back. He's just having a bit of fun. For me, yeah. some of the some of the players, and I think it was was it Cortez for the Yankees, and his his movement it was he was literally balking. His 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 leg his leg was coming up, and then coming back down and back up, back down. That's a balk. Rocking the baby, the the moving of of the the hand, that's a balk. Every day of the week, and and these rules weren't created to to stop that. The rules were always there. I think it was just a a line in the sand. Stop doing that. I think so. Is it's the Astros guy that I was thinking about, Louis Garcia or Luis Garcia? He he was the rocking the baby dude, and yeah, it was like his legs were going crossing. They were doing a dance. His arms were shaking around. It was all just a bit. Too much. Where Cueto, like you said, I mean, it may help the guys that are actually watching this rather than listening because me and Sean are both moving our <laughs> bodies and doing everything. But Cueto's leg is actually in the air. And it's like at that point, he's like kind of twisted his leg, but his leg is still up. And that's the main difference there where uh, Garcia is like his legs are basically doing, um, you know, an Irish jig effectively, which, you know, isn't on. So, yeah, I think it's interesting that they've kind of limited that. I think, to, to be honest with you, Sean, I know you said you're, you know, you're a traditionalist, mate. And if there is a traditionalist that is saying, actually, I can see where MLB is going with this, and actually, I kind of maybe like some of these, then, you know, to me, that says that Major League Baseball may be onto something here. Um, for those um, that have seen my Twitter feed the last week or so, I've been on holiday, I've been on the Sun Lounge, and I've been reading about the 1997 Marlins, which has been a lot of fun because it was well before my Marlins fanhood. Um, so it's been great to try and uh, hear about some of the stories of which they are. There's a lot of stories, a lot of epic stories in that book, no doubt. One thing that stood out to me, though, was talking about uh, the Colorado Rockies. There is a big theme in that book about attendances. I think there's a big theme about Marlins baseball, about attendances forever. And even going back to 1997, the key thing they said was it, in Colorado, they made the team may have stunk, and they stunk then, and they still stink now, pretty much. But their attendances were always amazing. Why was that? Well, one of the main reasons was they played fun baseball. There was a lot of action happening, and people went to be entertained because there was things happening. In some ways, I know that's a kind of tenuous link here, but what I, what I think they're going is we're trying to get some more action in the game, trying to get more fans down to come and see stuff happening rather than just ground balls to short and plays over at first. It's a bit tiresome over one six two, And so I'm all for it, mate. I like the action. I'm not a traditionalist. And I'm pleased to hear that Sean is embracing this too. I do think the game is going to look very different. I think there's going to be some teething issues with it as well, where there's going to be quite a few balls called where pitchers run out of time and batters aren't in the box at the right time. And so there'll be an adjustment period. But I think in general, 
more action, less overall time, perhaps, or dead time, I think we're all for. And I think that is the key bit. Some of the games may go longer because there's more action, more hits, but it's about reducing the dead time in the game. I think that's you know important. There's only so many beer trips we can make in a, a three, four-hour baseball game. We're going to wrap it up there, guys. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. Enjoy your pancakes if you are indeed tossing the pancakes today for Pancake Day or Shrove Tuesday. Uh, I will be back, of course, tomorrow. If you're thinking about your second listen of the day, then I strongly recommend heading over to Locked on MLB prospects. Uh, Lindsey Crosby hosts that one. Uh, it's an absolute stud of a host on that, covering all of the prospects across all of the organizations at all times. So head over there. Uh, but again, thanks for making Locked On Marlins first listen of the day. And we'll be back very, very soon. Thank you to the UK GOAT, Sean Barrett, on a rules podcast. Who would have thought it on Locked On Marlins? But nevertheless, I think we've covered it well. Excited to see how these rules play out. See you tomorrow.